email from Scott uh, says, at what time do you think the Bruins stop making excuses for Jake, meaning DeBrusque, and move on from him? He wanted out, had something to do with getting the coach fired, has been given ample opportunities on different lines and with top players, still is not producing. He's in a contract year and will want to get paid like a top six forward. I don't think he deserves this. Um, Scott goes on to write, like, you know, when you ask for a trade, basically, like, usually that means you already have a foot out the door. Um, so, and he also adds that not sure he's good with Potra to, to round it out. But, yeah, what do you guys think? Because we haven't – so we, we've talked about Dabrowski and his contract situation a couple times, but we haven't really circled back on that in a little while. So I guess just your response to Scott's email and kind of maybe bigger picture feelings on where things are at with Jake Dabrowski right now. Well, first – Thank you for clarifying that it was Jake DeBrusque and not Jake from State Farm um, that you were referring to. And secondly, I think that objectively, if you're looking at his stats, which is what a top six forward is paid to produce, um, they're not good enough. And if if your production is not going to be good enough, then you better be doing all the little things right. And a lot of people out there will tell me to their blue in the face, Look at the advanced stats. He is doing everything right. Okay. Well, how much is he affecting the game? Not a ton, um, really. So he's doing a yeah. He he's doing he's 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 doing fine defensively. He's not hurting his team outside of the lack of production. Doesn't play with a ton of emotion. Wouldn't call him a leader out there. Wouldn't say he sticks up for people. Wouldn't say he sticks up for himself. And off the ice, I think he's really well liked. I think he's a funny personality, and I don't think he's a bad bad person or a bad player. I think he's a good player that's going through a, a tough stretch offensively. But when you bet on yourself, you gotta you gotta you gotta come through. And um, a couple of months from now, maybe we're singing, maybe I'm singing a much different tune because he's turned things around and you know has like whatever twenty five points and you know thirty five games, whatever. But right now, eight points in 20 games, not good enough. And uh, you can sit there and tell me all you want that he's doing the little things right. But I personally don't think he's doing all the little things right. I think he's doing some of the little things right. Um, and he's not producing at the level that you need him to. So if you're asking me if they need to, if they should resign him next year, I don't know. I mean, has he, depends what he's asking for, right? If he's asking for, two, for, for X amount of dollars, uh, no, it, it like it, he he's a top six talent, but he's not producing like a top six talent. So it's kind of a it's kind of a tough. But you, the one thing too for Boston is the Bruins aren't in a situation where they they can afford to rid of top six talent. He's just not producing, so it's it's tough. You don't want to get rid of the talent because when he does produce, he's a difference maker. But with him, it's the same old story. It's just too Jekyll and Hyde, and. I don't know. I guess if you're asking me if I would have re-signed him, I'd probably say I'd probably say yes because I feel like he's going to produce obviously more this year than he has been. And it's just like if you get rid of him, how how are you replacing him? Maybe it's through free agency. I don't know. It's a, it's it's a good question. I don't know if you guys have a, a decisive opinion on him one way or the other. It's kind of too early to tell this year. 
But if you're talking about his track record since he's been here, man, the ceiling is there when he's on his game. It's just too far, uh, too far between. I have, so I have kind of like, I guess, a nuanced opinion on this. I think that there's obviously a price that's too high for anyone. And Don Sweeney is not going to overpay. So everybody, like there's a number in Don Sweeney's mind that he's not going to, he's not going to pay him, uh, you know, a certain amount. And I think Don Sweeney might have gotten a little bit more leverage. The fact that DeBrusque isn't having as good a season this year as he did last year. I think to the point of him already having a foot out the door and he showed that when he he asked to get out, I mean, he stepped right back in the door that season, signing a contact extension at the trade deadline instead of getting actually traded. So um, he stepped back in Cassidy got fired. I feel like he's all the way back in. Honestly, in my opinion, he seems like he wants to be here. So I don't think he's trying to look elsewhere. I think he wants to get a contract extension done before free agency. I don't think he wants to go to free agency. So in terms of like, does he want to be here? I think the answer is yes. Um, I also think that we're 21 games into the season, right? Um, over the next 21 games, which would bring, or just say 20 games, uh, which would bring us to pretty much the halfway point of the season. He's going to have, this is just a prediction. He's going to have better numbers than he had in the first 20 games in the second 20 games of the season. I, I don't see it happening that he's like this the whole year you call him Jekyll and Hyde well he's been Hyde I mean wait which one's the good one which one's the good one Jekyll I actually don't don't know I don't know he's been the bad one he's gonna come around to the good one at some point like it's it's gonna happen I don't see him and and you know Brian you mentioned it he hasn't shown that he has been able to put the numbers up but he also has brought the effort that we've seen lead to good things for him so my prediction is that he that they do come to an agreement with him before the season is over and that his numbers in the next 20 games compared to the first 20 games are much more in line with something you'd see from a top six forward. I mean, Scott, I, I know you probably have a lot of thoughts on this, but just to kind of wrap up mine, like I, he's shown he can produce at a high level, but he hasn't shown it consistently. Right. And, and if you look at, if you just look at him, um, over the course of his career, 405 games played, 234 points. If that doesn't tell you, like, he's kind of, like, up and down, I don't know what does. That's a big sample size, I'm, you know, over 400 games, and he's just over a half, half a point per game guy. So, you know, people can sit there and say, well, look at last year when he played between uh, Bergeron and um, Marshan, and then he got hurt, but he was on pace to, to shatter his career high. That's great. That's great. He was great last year. Um, but a 400-plus game sample size kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, so a couple of things here. So first to Scott's email, like I, I think that reconciliation and that recommitment to the Bruins, like that did happen in, in my opinion. Like I, I don't – yeah, clearly when you request a trade, you have a foot out the door. Like – you literally are requesting to be out the door. So at the time, yes, that was true. I just think like that, that's now a couple years in the past. And I think he's been in a much better headspace and a much better spot since then. And I don't think he's lying when he says he wants to stay in Boston. Like he rescinded the trade request. He signed an extension. I think he would absolutely sign another extension, but 
when and how that gets done and what it looks like is, you know, going to be fascinating because he, he is off to a slow start production wise. Um, I don't think it's going to happen for a while because if you're the Bruins right now, you look at the, you know, if you're done Sweeney specifically, you look at the start and you say, well, why would we go up from whatever number we're starting at? And if you're DeBrusque, you're not going to sign when your value's low. Like you're going to, you're going to bet on yourself to, to do what Bridget said, like be better the next 20 games, the second half of the season, finish strong and earn yourself more money. You're not, you know, it would be kind of foolish business to sign when you have uh, whatever's at eight points in 20 games. Um, so I think it's going to take a little while to play out. And honestly, it wouldn't even surprise me if it does go to the off season. It's, you know, and, and either, either like they eventually sign him leading up to free agency or even hits free agency and sees what else is out there. Um, but yeah, as far as trading him, unless you're getting back shore fire, you know, I'll say middle six town. Cause I don't, I don't think DeBrusque is, is a true top liner. So I'll call him a middle six winger. Um, unless you're getting that back or, or an upgrade, like, the Bruins aren't in a position to give away any talent that can play on their top three lines on the wing. Um, and last into response. So Brian, you mentioned advanced stats. I would say just to highlight why I'm not still not overly concerned about DeBras. This isn't even that advanced. So this is five on five goal differential. How many goals do the Bruins score when you're on the ice? How many does the opponent score? Guess where Jake DeBrusque ranks on the Bruins? Is he first? He is third. Third. Uh, Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Carlo are both a plus nine. Okay, so he's first among the forwards then. Jake DeBrusque is a plus seven. Yep, first among Bruins forwards. So, and now if I go a little more advanced, expected goals percentage, he's first on the team, 56.6%. So that's showing, you know, scoring chances when he's on the ice. And I I know his production's not there, but more I'm hearing Brian grow in the background. I mean, it is just like I hate hate the expected one. Expected. All right, then then stick with stick with the real goals. Twelve twelve to five when he's on the ice. They're outscoring opponents. No, that that one I like. That one I like. That's fine. I like that one. Yeah. So it my overall point here is just that. More a lot more good things than bad things are happening when he's on the ice. And yes, I want it, I would like to see him produce more. He has to produce more. But as long as that remains the case, that the Bruins are still a plus team when he's out there, like I'm just not panicking because there's other guys right now who are minuses, especially over this most recent. Hey, can I can I turn it to Scott for a second? And there's there's one there's one stat that I actually am surprised people are like not putting a lot of stock in these days. And it kind of surprised me because I think it's a, I actually think it's a pretty important stat, but maybe I'm on an, on an Island here. And before I say that, just for the kids keeping score at home, I'm for, please don't say goals. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm for, uh, I'm for, um, you know, re-signing DeBrusque if it's, you know, not an overpay as Bridget mentioned. Like I I don't dislike the player. I I know I may, it may have sounded like the, to the contrary earlier, I I hope I stated I think he's gonna break out of this and he's gonna score more. But um 
you know, when you're, when you're, when you're paid to produce and you're expected to produce, you need to produce, not expect to produce. You need to produce at a certain point. So, but real quick people, uh, plus minus is a very important, um, I put a lot of stock in plus minus, uh, with players. Um, and people don't apparently think that's a, that's a big stat. Like that's, that's straight up like the differential between the goals you're on the ice for and goals you're not on the ice for. And I think that's an important stat, but people seem to not think so. Well, so here's my pitch on, on that is I I think it's worth looking at goal. Like I just laid out to goals you're on the ice for versus against where I think plus minus does a disservice is all the kind of like all the screwy stuff that gets lumped in. Like, if you're on the ice for a shorthanded goal against, you get a minus. If you're on the ice for an extra attack or a goal against, you you know, like an empty netter against, you get a minus. And I just think that makes it kind of loopy. Like you mentioned early, earlier, you mentioned like McAvoy being a minus two. And it's like, well, at five on five, he's actually a plus two. And like it, it, McAvoy over these last um, four, five games or something, it's like, a minus seven, but a couple of those were like empty netters against that he's out there for. And I just think that's where it gets a bit wacky. And it's why I would just let rather stick to five on five goal differential. Cause then you're, you're taking all the screwy stuff out of it. I think it's a good indicator though. Like, like it generally does indicate how a season is going for someone or like how a game is gone for someone. Like you have some guys that are, especially you have like the extreme, like right now, but remember, Chara's plus minus was always through the roof. It's like, okay, that's a good indicator for how he's been doing because you know he's he's a great defender. Uh, so you can, I think there is stuff you can glean from it. It's not a perfect stat, but I I but, I also yeah. like Brian. Do look at it and, and like kind of then you go into a deeper dive of okay, what did these goals against look like? What were the situations? But like. You can start there and then look deeper. No, I just like I just think I wish we could just start with five on five goal differential. Like I wish they just changed the stat to five on five goal differential because that's like ninety percent of what it already is, and then it's that other ten percent that just makes it screwy. And in my opinion, not totally useless, but much not as useful as five. Is just keeping it to five on five. Yeah, like if you're you're saying like in the stats sheet, like you can filter goals, assists, points. You'd rather it just say five on five goal differential instead of. No, I, I'd rather still call it plus minus, but just change how it's defined. And because like, I I think most people don't even realize that like all that other crap counts against it. Like empty net goals and shorthanded goals. I actually am one of them. I I thought, I thought a shorthanded goal was not, was omitted from your plus minus. I thought that no it, shorthanded. If the other team scores a shorthanded goal on your power play, yeah. right? You you get a minus. Also, if you score a shorthanded yes. goal, you get a plus. No, no, hold on. So okay, well that makes sense because you're up a man, so you should get a dash for that. You should get two dashes for that. Um, <laughs> if you if you're if you're on the penalty kill and you give up a goal, that goes against your plus minus. No, no. okay, yeah, no, yeah, I didn't think so. So so it is it is kind of like a representation aside from extra attackers like McAvoy's not getting knocked on his plus minus for being on the PK no but even like the extra attacker stuff like part of the reason you know look all the Bruins are really good last year but 
like their plus minus also got uh, ballooned a bit because they scored a bunch of empty net goals because they were always up. So, I like I said, I would just get rid of all that stuff and make it sure. just five on five, yeah. and then I would think it's actually pretty valuable. Yeah, I mean, I would still argue like for the most part, it's pretty accurate. I mean, it's it, there's only so many times where. Uh, whatever, whatever. But I mean, it, it, <laughs> well, here, here's, here's, here's a tangent I wasn't expecting. To well, here, here's here's one case where it wasn't accurate, and people tried to use it inaccurately. Um, that almost had a real world effect, and this was Eric Carlson's Norris campaign last year, where one of the strongest arguments against him was his plus minus, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it was like, it was like legitimately insane, where he he was like a minus fifteen or something. And a bunch of it was like shorthanded goals and uh, like empty netters or because the shots were trailing so much that he was out there with his own net empty. And he was out there for like 10 empty net goals or something. So that like it all stacks into his plus minus. And if you looked at five on five, Eric Carlson was actually a plus. He was the only player on the San Jose Sharks who was a plus at five on five. But everyone used plus minus to argue against him. And it's like, if anything, that almost should have gone the opposite way, where it's like he's the only one making a positive differential on this awful team. Yeah. I mean, if if you're so if there's an empty net situation, like I agree with you, that's kind of like it adds it adds fluff. But if you're on the power play and you give up a shorthanded goal, I'm not shedding any tears for that hurting your plus minus. And if you are on the shorthand and you score a power play goal, like, I mean, obviously kudos to that. So, I mean, it really, for me, it really just seems like the empty net is the biggest problem here. Yeah. Everything else is, is deserved in my opinion. If you give up a shorthanded goal, like why, why should that not be a minus? Like you just give up a shorthanded goal. Like I said, dash two. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I could settle in the middle there. Like that's fine, but yeah. Um, well, what, well, what, well, what, what, what's your pro? If, 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 if McAvoy's in the power play and coughs up the puck and, and the PK goes down and scores, why does that bother you if that's a minus on him? He's got an extra player on the ice. I mean, it's just not totally even. Like, if obviously, if you're, if you're a power play only player, then you, you can only be in a situation to get a minus on special teams, right? Like, like David Pasternak could only ever get, a minus on special teams because he's never going to be out there for a shorthanded goal four because it doesn't kill penalties. So I just think stick, keeping it to five on five. I understand. Yeah. It's, it's the only way to keep it even for, for yeah, no, no, I, I honestly, I actually don't disagree with that. I think it is the most accurate way. Um, but I just, I think the empty net's the biggest one. That's the biggest one for me, but that's a good point. Um, if a player is solely never play, has the opportunity to, yeah, chalked it up under a conversation didn't expect to have today. But um, what were we even talking about before that? I don't even know. Debrusque. Oh yeah. What stats you what stats you look into for a player? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole for Debrusque in particular, it's like I can only hear somebody look. If you're telling me for three months, you know, his goals above his his, his expected goals per sixty or you know top five in a league, but he's still got four goals in December. I mean, there's an issue there. I, I'm sorry. I can only, I can only take those stats for so long. If it's a short sample size, like a, like a, you know, 10 game or five, five to 10 game slump, uh, that's one thing. But as we get into December here, it's like, okay, so you mean to tell me for half the season almost, 
which I'm just, we're not there yet. We're a quarter of the way through. I'm just saying like at some point, Scott, you would admit that like these advanced analytics need to come to the forefront and, and, and be tangible production. That's all I'm saying with the stats, the advanced stats. <laughs> no. Yeah. I fully acknowledge he has to score more. Like that's part of what he's relied on. Um, I just say like my panic level over DeBrusque would, would go up if like we saw a stretch where he starts to be on the ice for more goals against than four and is having breakdowns defensively. And, you know, you watch a play and you're like, wow, DeBrusque didn't cover his defenseman there or DeBrusque didn't get back in the back check and they gave up a goal. Like that is well, really like when I would start turnovers that lead to goals against and right. stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. No, 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 no arguments here. Because like, I don't think I can recall him mishandling pucks as much as some of the other guys like Marshawn, like recently at least. Um, do you, do you guys see him? Do you guys see him like doing everything it takes to win though besides like, and I'm not even saying it's just him. Cause I, this can be said for everybody, but like, have you noticed him being like hard, really hard, like really hard in the four check? doing anything it takes to like that goal he scored against Florida. Like that, that all happens because of a strong four check. Um, I'm not saying he hasn't been doing it here and there, but like if you're slumping, like, do you see him like, you know, making the extra effort to finish a check? Do you see him blocking those extra shots? If you do great, maybe I'm just watching the whole product, not just him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's honestly, he's, he's fine. He's going to break out of it. Um, I don't really have an well, issue with the brusque. Honestly, I think he'll be fine. I'm just talking a lot here. Yeah, I think I think you you start to see it, and like not just that goal that you mentioned, which you know was was obvious, but also even like the power play goal where he's banging away in front and, and willing to stand in there, and it's like you would hope that would then lead to more plays, more efforts like that, and it's like it does for a couple of games, and then it starts to fade a little bit, and he's got to like he he does have to find like that consistent level where he's doing that every game and you would hope that like understanding hey that just helped me get two goals would kind of like lead to like well maybe i should keep doing it because it's going to keep helping me score um again i think like monday's a tough game to judge because the whole team was so bad but Mm. um yeah i i didn't notice him like standing out positively I feel like um, one of my favorite versions of him as a player in Boston was his rookie year. And like, and remember that game against um, that series against Toronto. I mean, games, obviously game seven was a huge uh, high point for him in his career. So it's kind of unfair to use that and be like, he should be like that all the time. But I just remember that series and the series against Tampa, like he was such a menace and just like went to the net hard. And I remember thinking to myself like, Oh, they got to, they have a really good player in this kid for a long time. Like goes to the net, goes to the dirty areas, has talent, speed, uh, hands in tight, good shot. But inconsistency is just what, when I think of Jake DeBrus, the first word that comes to mind is inconsistent. Like it's the first word that comes to my mind. And when he's on his game, I think he's a really, really strong player. I uh, think that I, more often. I, I think that I'll just, this is my last thing I'm going to say about the DeBrus thing. Um, I think if, if inconsistent comes to mind, like as the first thing to describe Jake DeBrusque, I also think misunderstood is a good word to describe Jake DeBrusque. Like people's impressions were so negative and they never got back on track and like never really considered some of the reasons why he 
wanting the trade request or, or, you know, had struggles when he did um, during the pandemic and whatnot. I think he is probably the most misunderstood person on the team. Um, But to come full circle on the Jake DeBrusque uh, conversation back to Scott's first shift. um, I think that the production, if, if he's genuinely kept, on this line for any, any amount of time, like a decent amount of time. It's not just like try it one game and then go away from it. If he's on a line with Pasternak, Patra and Nebrusk, he's going to score more. Like he's going to score more. And if he's, if he ends up with power play time on the first unit, which we're not sure he will or, or won't, but that he did score a goal on it. He'll, he's going to end up producing more um, there. So like full circle, so maybe the line changes could also be a catalyst to some of the production we're talking about. Well, and you know, and that's if Montgomery decides to do that. Uh, and I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see how they line up at Wednesday's practice, but it was, he really only got like a couple shifts there. Yeah. I think it was in the second Monday. period yeah. or maybe the early third period, but they did, they did go to that for a little bit. And that, that really, I think gives them the best chance for pos for Patra and for DeBrusque, and like you mentioned, that first line was stagnant anyway, so put Pasternak there, see if that unlocks some of the scoring abilities of both of the other guys, and even the playmaking ability of both of those other guys. Yeah, the, I think quickly we we can try to keep this a little short, but there is a obviously a big story we have to touch on, and we speculated you know, about could the Bruins maybe be connected to him, uh, as it turns out, Patrick Kane is going to the Detroit Red Wings. Um, news of that broke Tuesday morning, uh, one year, 2.75 million. Just curious what, you know, kind of what you guys' reaction are. And, and before I get that, uh, I have to correct something I said last podcast just because I didn't, hadn't fully done, done my research yet. Was it but, Mouse's? Uh, I confirmed that that is in fact the plural of mouse. They, <laughs> they I called called my friends at Marion website. They actually just changed it yesterday. Oh wow! Pretty crazy. Yep. So I'm, I'm right. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I had mentioned that I thought Kane was eligible for like the over 35 bonuses. He was not because he you had to have turned 35 before June 30th, and he was still 34 so that that really would have made it extra difficult for the Bruins um because they couldn't Kane wasn't eligible to sign like a one million dollar deal with three million in bonuses it his whole salary had to be like an actual cap hit well I mean obviously I hope the listeners forgive you Scott for that misleading them like that but um it's I think it's it's inexcusable <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously my initial reactions are, I think it's a interesting fit when I heard that he wanted to go to a contender. Detroit wasn't on top of my mind because I think they're clearly a team that has playoff hopes, but wouldn't classify him as a contender just yet. Um, but obviously reunites with, with Debrinket. Um, I think Detroit's got a really good combination of uh, youth and veterans over there and they're playing really well. So pertains to the Bruins, it's a, it's a, a divisional rival, a divisional opponent that got stronger. Um, I don't think that Patrick Kane's going to hurt the Red Wings at all. I think he's going to help them offensively. And um, 
you know, he's gone to three teams now in his career, all original six. So that's pretty cool for him. But um, yeah, I mean, Detroit gets a little bit stronger up front. Yeah. And I think if, if you're talking about contenders that had a way to add him, like obviously the Rangers had already moved on from him. The Bruins we mentioned probably didn't have the cap space or, or weren't willing to send someone else in, send someone else out to get him in. It did kind of leave just a few teams and Detroit has been a team that has had the Bruins number this season, which could make them exactly the kind of contender you're thinking about because a team that can, that has the ability to beat some of the best goaltending and defense in the country with the Bruins is a team that has a chance to make it to the Stanley cup. They have a chance to get past a team like the Rangers or the Bruins. So I think they are a legitimate contender. And I think that's not a bad choice for him to go somewhere. It could be a great fit for him there. Um, it does make the the conference, the division more difficult. Um, you probably were hoping he ended up somewhere outside, but most of the rumors did have to do with Eastern Conference teams. Like we'd heard Toronto, we'd, we'd heard, um, you know, you, I think you mentioned Dallas, maybe Brian, like that would have been an outside team he could have gone to, but he ends up in the Eastern Conference and it we'll see. I'm still a little bit skeptical. Obviously, in his prime, Patrick Kane was incredible, one of the best players. Um, just not really sure how he's gonna hold up health-wise. So that's what makes me think like, okay, yeah, that's that's definitely kind of like a, a secret weapon that you might get on the plus side, but he could, you know, he could not pan out at all, but it's not a huge risk for them because, you know, the contract isn't huge and they, you know, maybe, maybe it does give them that extra piece to push them over the top. Yeah. I, so I said on the last pod, but I do think there's risk in, in signing Patrick Kane and committing 2.75 million. Um, the Red Wings can absorb that risk better than most because they had, they had over $5 million in cap space. So even with this signing, like they still have enough cap space to potentially add someone else if they decide to go for it at the trade deadline. Whereas other, you know, like just using the Bruins as, as an example, one, they would have to trade someone away now. And two, then they really probably wouldn't be able to add anyone else at the deadline. So it's like Patrick Kane would be the one addition and you, you would have to hope that it, it works out. And, there's legitimate questions there. He's he does not play defense at all, and there's advanced metrics that suggest, especially last year, that his negative impact defensively outweighed his offensive impact. Um, and the other thing is he had that hip resurfacing surgery that he had, like that is the real deal. Like that is a tough surgery, and if you look at the track record of athletes that have had it, like. It's not pretty. Ryan Kessler never played another NHL game after it and was planning to. Nicholas Backstrom returned from it last year, struggled, had one point in eight games this season, and then took a leave of absence because it was bothering him. Like, uh, outside of hockey, Isaiah Thomas, former Celtics guard, had it, was never the same. Uh, Andy Murray in tennis had it and took, like, years to get back to anything close to a high level so there's just no guarantees like Patrick if Patrick Kane comes back and looks like vintage Kane or, or something close to it he would be the exception to the rule when it comes to that surgery 
You did a real deep dive in, into that with your Andy Murray, your Andy Murray stuff. I love tennis, so I like I like the poll for Andy. Well, actually, <laughs> actually, I found that because when I was reading about Backstrom, uh, Backstrom reached out to Andy Murray like while he was going through it. So that's that's how I found that out. Well, the good news the good news for the Red Wings is that before they even get Patrick Kane, they're tenth in the standings league wide, and. You know, if they do get that version of Patrick Kane, Scott, um, that's kind of the anomaly, the exception to the rule. I mean, the the best uh, the best division in the league just got that much tougher because uh, the top four teams in the Atlantic um, are well, the top three teams in the Atlantic are in the top ten in the standings league wide, and if you extend it to the fourth team, being Tampa Bay, I believe um, they uh, the top four teams in the Atlantic are within the top thirteen seeds league wide. So it's just you know it's it's a competitive division. No doubt about that. We knew that going in. And we knew that in addition to Bergeron and Krejci moving on, that would be why it would be tough for Boston to, to compete. But so far they have a little slide as of late, but um, that's why you play 82. So they get back at it again against the Sharks. And Bridget and Scott, if you have nothing else, um, we will talk to you after that game. So thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you very soon.